Welcome to the Linguist Lounge, a podcast dedicated to all us world language teachers who want a place for ideas, humor, and professional development. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out in the field of language education, we aim to offer valuable insights and practical tips to help you improve your teaching skills that will better connect you with your students and your craft. From classroom strategies and lesson planning to cultural immersion and technology integration, we cover it all in a fun, quick, and engaging way that will leave you feeling inspired and motivated to take your teaching to the next level. Welcome back, linguists, to another episode of the Linguist Lounge. I'm Luke. I'm Heather. And I'm Delee. And we are so glad to have you today. We are going to continue our series on just meeting the linguists here and today we're going to actually talk about me so (laughs) it's your day Luke it's It's my day day. I wish I could just I wish I was able to like make songs on the spot but it never really I'm not like a I'm not very creative in that way yes you are oh I think you absolutely could this this is called me fishing for people to tell me I'm good at something (laughs) oh gosh we just Heather we just bought into it it so easily too Oh, man. Well, it's fine. I love complimenting, so it's fine. Um, Luke, tell us your origin story. Okay. So, I am was born and raised in Tennessee, in West Tennessee specifically. West Tennessee, me too. Yes, and had lived there like my entire young adult, like not young adult, but young life until I was 18 and moved out. Um, and when I, what, when I first went to college, I actually went to college as a pre-med major. That wow. is shocking. And, well, I actually really like science still to yeah. this day. I have, an, I have enough credits to have a minor in chemistry, huh. um, but I just oh, yeah. never, like, actually pursued it. Because, so anyway, we'll get there in you a second. You know how but. gravity works and <laughs> all that stuff. That's awesome. I think that's, that's physics. Good for you. <laughs> See, you know the difference. That's, Look at you. I mean, <laughs> Anyway, so when I went to college, I was pre-med. I went, I went as an honor student, and um, I just, like, really the first year, my first year of college was really difficult because I think I just did too much. I took, I was taking three honors classes my first semester and three honors classes my second semester, and it just, like, really, I don't know, I kind of, it kind of just left a bad taste in my mouth for, like, the whole honors college experience. Like, nothing against the college that I went to, into MTSU, but um, I think, for me, I should have chosen a different route. And so um, it kind of just like really jaded me in a, in a lot of ways, um, just because I, I was doing so much work and I didn't feel like I was really getting any payoff from it at all. Mm. It's just such an, it's such a competitive program yeah. and you really have to be like quite um, dedicated and quite uh, regimented in order to like really mm-hmm. succeed. And I, I was kind of floundering a little bit because like I was in the top of my class in my high school, but like, it also was a different experience going from my high school to going to an honors college at a university. So I think that's kind of where I just like struggled a little bit. Um, And after my first year, I I was like, I just don't think I can do pre-med. I I really, I found out very quickly that I do not enjoy biology at all. Uh, No Ah. offense to the biology teachers out there. You, what you're doing is so necessary and great. But for me, I just can't do it. (laughs) So, and I think it was, it was just, I think it was just maybe a combination of like the professors that I had, plus just my interest was waning. And so my second year of college, I actually changed my major to professional chemistry because I wanted to be a chemist in a lab. That is so interesting. So still science. Yeah. Wow. I mean, like I said, I, to this day, I still love 
I, I love chemistry. I love science. I like, I just, that was something I really enjoyed doing. Um, and so, you know, my second year was a little bit better because I had taken a little bit more focused of classes instead of just like, thankfully I had gone into college with a lot of credits already because I had been able to take some like um, oh, from high school. early college credit mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So I was able to kind of like clap out of some of the stuff that uh, some of the, the basics or some of mm-hmm. the, I forget what it's called, but your gen eds, that's gen what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so the second year, like I said, going back to that, I had a, had a little bit of a better year, but something, I don't know, I just kind of woke up one day after maybe the, the first semester is brought around the second semester, cha- around the semester change. And I just like had this like, this like reoccurring thought in the back of my mind. And, the, and that was, I don't want to wake up at the end of my life, meaning like I don't want to come to the end of my life and be, you know, looking back and thinking like, yeah, I was like really successful by like the standards of like money or, you know, accolades or whatever, but like I was miserable and Mm -hmm. I just have seen so many people go into something because of money or because of like, um, you know, power or or influence or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I decided then I was going to change my major. How old were you? 19 or 20. That's young. 20, that, yeah. That's good for you. I mean, like, that didn't happen until a little bit later for me. Yeah. And so um, I kind of wanted to take, like, a little palate cleanser class. And when I was in high school, I really liked Spanish. I really thought that it was really, for the, for the experience that I got, I should say, I really thought that it was a really fun thing to learn. So I took a Spanish class. I took an entrance exam uh, when I got to college just to see like what level they would place me in and they placed me into like the fourth level. So oh, wow. that would have been like, in, at MTSU anyway, it goes 10-10, 10-20, 20-10, 20-20. So they placed me into 20-20. Wow. But I actually decided to go back to 10-10 and do it all over again because oh, wow. I wanted to make sure that I had a good like foundation. Hmm. And so... Do you um, regret doing that or are you glad you did I do that? not. I do not. I actually, I would say that my professors that I had in the, the two bottom, like 10, 10, 10, 20, Spanish would be like Spanish 1, Spanish 2. They, those people, those two people really influenced mm-hmm. me. So it was too. pivotal. Yes, yeah, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, had I gone into those upper division classes, I don't think I would have had that that sort of like drive, that, the same drive that I had. Yeah. Um, and then after I took that first class, I was like, okay, this is it. So I changed my major. <laughs> Immediately changed my major to Spanish, and I have... Um, so when I graduated, I had uh, my degrees in Spanish, and I have a global studies minor. And then I also have a enough, I have enough hours to have an Italian minor, but that was not offered when I graduated. Mm-hmm. It is offered now, but it wasn't offered when I graduated. So, um, yeah, and my the, from that point forward, my college experience was, like, vastly different because mm-hmm. I enjoyed doing the work. Like, I enjoyed the classes. I enjoyed learning the language. Um, I got a chance the my I don't know if it was my last year of college or if it was the summer before that. Well, I'm not sure what summer it was, but it was either the last summer or the summer before. I got an opportunity to study abroad in Cuba for about a little over a month, and that was very life changing for me. Mm-hmm. I think that that is the point when I really realized and decided that like this is what I'm meant to be doing. Like, mm-hmm. not didn't really have like the foresight to know that it was going to be teaching but i knew it was going to be language mm, yeah. in some way um to Wait, kind of you're so young was this before or after obama had lifted before before oh, this okay. was 2012 so you're still like having to do the student visa yes. and process yeah. and everything okay yeah yeah it was 2012 and it was extremely 
difficult. The whole process was really difficult, obviously, because like Delete said, there was there's kind of a lot of was a lot of red tape around being able to go and like why you're there and mm -hmm. you know you and especially in the airports and stuff. They they ask you a lot of questions and like we're basically still children, so it's just it it was a very nerve wracking experience. Yeah. Um, the professor that took us there, that man. I think I owe a lot of who I am as a person to him because he was simultaneously the best and worst person I've ever met. <laughs> not worst in the That's in the sense exactly how I felt about the guy who was yeah. on my study abroad. Wow. Not wow. he wasn't like a bad person, but he was so cutting and so like sarcastic. And I yeah. like yeah. I'm that way in a lot of ways now. So I think it was like really important, <laughs> like for me to have met him and like known him and him for him to be my teacher. He actually the textbooks that he used, he would write them. Wow. So we're we're talking about like he was very he was very academic, mm -hmm. he was very intelligent. He I loved I really, really loved like having him and, and him being able to like go with like take us to Cuba. He developed that program himself and he was very proud of it. Wow. He's uh, Dr. Rick Morris, if you're listening, <laughs> I owe you a debt of gratitude. But <laughs> um, so when I came back from that, like I, it really just like really energized me in a lot of ways. Um, to pursue language in, in general, but specifically Spanish, because that was the thing that I'd fall in love with first. But I would say another turning point, or not turning point necessarily, but another like really, um, well, yeah, turning point would be just like every time that I've ever been like interacted with Spanish, it's been like a positive thing. And I think that for me, like that really like sort of solidifies like I'm, I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. Um, like, it, I don't know. My, my heart is for, for other people. You know, I think I say a lot of the times, like, I chose teaching as a vessel, but, like, the, one of the questions is what drives you? And I think for mm -hmm. me, like, the thing that drives me is, like, relationships because yeah. that's really, like, what I do this for. Right. If I get to be a part of, like, their their life in some way, like, anybody's life, but especially those, those kids, like, that is really, that's an important thing for me. So did you know when you majored in Spanish that it would lead to teaching? Because I didn't. I, did, I just knew I liked Spanish. No, I had no idea. Actually, I had no idea what I was going to do with it. I, yeah. That was a question that I'm sure that we all get at some point when you go into something like this that's sort of like a liberal arts degree where your are parents are like, it? what are you going to do with that? And mm. I'm like, I have no idea. And thankfully, I had really supportive, I have had really supportive parents who really just encouraged me to like pursue the thing that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. They didn't care so much because like, I think it, it might've just been the sincerity with which I was like coming to them with this thing, right? You know, I, I want to do something that I love to do. Like if I'm, if I love what I do, I'm going to be successful. Mm -hmm. it, success is not measured to me by like dollars or like accolades or fame, but it's measured in like, how do I feel about it? Like, how do I feel about what I do? And I, I've always felt good about education since I've been doing mm -hmm. it, but Circling back, so when I graduated college, I had been working for a company, and they like wanted to promote me, and so I was like, okay, cool. I don't have any other prospects. I feel like that girl from Pride and Prejudice, where she's like, I'm a burden to my parents. I'm 27. I have no <laughs> prospects. Um, I felt like just, I mean, they were offering me money, so I was going to take it because I, I needed a job. Mm -hmm. You know, I needed to keep my job, and I didn't have any prospects because, like I said, I didn't know I wanted to teach. Um, and so I worked for that company, uh, just sort of promoted up in, in that company for like two or three years, and then left that job, and I went to work as a barista at Starbucks. And is still very good at making coffee. I love being a barista <laughs> so much. If there was more money in it, I would probably, I don't know if I would still be doing it, but I would, I would consider it, because it was really a fun job. Um, 
and I love doing that. I drink iced coffee because of you. Now. Ooh, look at me. <laughs> also, look at you, girl. I know, right? <laughs> so far. Um, and so, kind of like what the turning point there was was I saw that they were in a district near where we are now. They were hiring an ESL teacher, and I was like, okay, well, I have a degree in Spanish. And I want to try education, and I think this would be, like, a good opportunity for me to, like, dip my toes in, like, being a teacher. And I need to tell y'all, that first year was real bad. Like, mm-hmm. I, I went to the interview, and I pretty much immediately, they told me I had the job pretty much immediately. Because um, I, I just hit it off with them. And after the, after the fact, they kind of told me that I was young, and they felt like I was, like, really able to um, be taught how to do something because I'd never I didn't take education classes in college even Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like for a very brief moment took one education class and immediately dropped it because I was like I don't want this (laughs) so so when I went into education I was going into it not knowing anything about the career not knowing anything about the profession I had a team that I was working with who I think maybe we're just a little overwhelmed themselves and didn't really have the time to like help me. Mm-hmm. And so I floundered. I really did. I, I felt good about the relationships that I built with those kids. And the funny story, the first kids I ever taught graduated this year. Oh, you old. I know. It's crazy. Oh. They were in fifth grade. Oh, my. Um, but those kids, I really, I felt very endeared to. I, I, felt, I felt like I made a really big impression on them as people, like relationally. But as far as like ESL... Like, I didn't, I don't think they learned anything. I mean, but, but to be fair, like I said, like, nobody was really, there was no coach. There was no mm-hmm. help, really. I mean, I had a lovely lady that would come and, like, help me every once in a while. Um, she would try to give me, like, advice. And the really, the funny thing is there is her her son was best friends with my best friend when they were in high school. So we had sort of a connection that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I think she felt really not responsible for me, but I think she felt endeared to me in a way as well, and which was really helpful. But um, and and like pre- prior to that, I just had to take the praxis in ESL. So I have I have um, a Do you have that sort of like I have a, a, uh, yeah I have I forget what it's called uh, endorsement. endorsement endorsement in ESL ESL and Spanish. Oh. So anyway, so I have that, and when I left that job, obviously they did not ask me to come back. And I'm happy for that because it really sort of like pushed me to like find a job teaching Spanish Mm -hmm. because I had quickly found out that ESL was not what I wanted to do. I think (laughs) especially because and and there's nothing against this or anything, but in in the state, in this state anyway, the especially in the public, I would say K through 12 realm, those students are viewed as a number they're not necessarily viewed as like a person. So it's how easily and how quickly can we get you out of the ESL program and integrated mm-hmm. back into the regular classroom. Yeah. So, and it, that's a that's definitely a generalization, but for, in my experience, that's what it was. So I, um, after that, I worked at a, a private school for three years teaching Spanish and one year teaching English, actually, if you can believe it. And mm-hmm. that was, um, that was what it was. <laughs> if you teach in private school, I think that you are, undervalued I think that you're uh, you're you're working a lot of times you're doing a lot with a little so I, I really appreciate people who work in private especially K through 12 institutions I learned a lot about myself there I learned how to teach there I would say I became a really good teacher there and even now I think some of those things have have like come with me to my other to this job because just because 
we were under such a microscope all the time. So a lot of the things that come really easy to me are things that may become difficult, like hard, like difficult. They become difficulties for other people. But like for checking me, your email for right, people. I'm for bad me, at it. You're amazing. Yeah, I'm like I'm like the email like vigilante. Like I, I if you want to well, know, he gave you a title at one point. He did not accept the job, folks. It was an unpaid <laughs> position. Um, hmm. I don't know. They were yeah, calling he's me. Really good at it. They were calling me B B two hundreds East Hallway Leader yes, for a while. For sure, but because he keeps us informed, which we're grateful for. But there. But there uh, may be a little bit of trauma attached there, to it. There is a there's a lot of bit of trauma. <laughs> I would say. Um, but that really, like I said, that really helped me become a good teacher and a teacher who like really thinks of like holistically because mm-hmm. I didn't have an option. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm thankful for that in a lot of ways. But it really it also has helped me realize like what what good things I have now. So um, after that job, I honestly just swore off teaching. Like the last year that I worked there, I was like, I'm not teaching anymore because I was burnt out and I really had grown to like hate my job and I really had grown to like, I, I was like, I just, I need to do something different. And well, that's the result of being undervalued, like right. you were saying too, like expected to do so much and not appreciated. Right. And um, I had a friend that I worked with there and she and I actually resigned that job at the same time. And she was like, hey, you really need to apply in this district, um, the district that we currently work in. And I was like, I don't know, Emily, like, I don't think that I want to do it anymore. And she's like, no, you need to. So I did. And the day that I applied, I got a call from the principal that I currently work for. <laughs> so it was really like, it, it all worked out really well. I mean, we work, we work in a really great school. Mm-hmm. And here, I think we've been able to do a lot of things that, like, I here I feel like a good teacher, where before I was made to believe that I was not. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's kind of, like, how I've ended up here. I currently teach, like, Spanish 1, Spanish 2, and I also teach Spanish 3 and AP Spanish as well. So um, have been able to, like, really grow our department. Delia and I have been really trucking along for two years to make that happen. <laughs> and... I don't know. Just, I feel really like I feel really good. I feel really like happy and like really at peace here. Like I've really like I, I, tr- I can like I contribute a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So. You really do. And it just feels right. It feels like you were always supposed to be here. Well, and sure. I would will say, too, that people like listen like you have out there ideas sometimes, but you take them to the admin, our admin and they really do think about it. And a lot of times do what you suggest. So mm-hmm. that that gives you a lot more say than you've ever had in your other teaching experiences. Yeah, yeah. I think before it was, there was so much required, like, and there was so much creativity that I had to have, and now it's like, I don't have to do that, but I'm still doing it anyways, because it's just been ingrained in me to be that way, so. Well, and it flows naturally from you, but it mm-hmm. almost is easier to do it when it's not required. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. then it, it flows just so much more freely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how, so one question that kind of pops out after listening to that, how has your viewpoint of your career changed over the time that you've been doing it and the different, you know, public versus private? Mm-hmm. I think I said this in the in the last episode when we were when we were talking to Dali, but something that I've like really realized is it's not so much about the content. Like I, I know that I teach Spanish. I know that that's like my job, but in the same breath, like, my job is to create well-rounded people. Mm-hmm. And I think that like a lot of times we just get so tunnel visioned into what we're doing that we miss that. Mm-hmm. Like we miss like the emotional and mm-hmm. like developmental needs of the students that are in our classroom. So, you know, like that, that has really, in the beginning it was all about Spanish or it was all about the, or ESL or it was all about, it was the thing that the I was content. teaching. Yeah. But now I've learned to like, observe what I'm doing and observe the kids that are around me and like tailor that thing to them. And I think that 
It's like if you can learn how to do that, which is it's a big ask because you really have to be in tune with yourself and with the people that are sitting in front of you. But if you can learn how to do that, like it really does make teaching more jo- more joy filled. Like in my experience, like it really, you know, like it's it's so easy to just be like, I'm only here to do this thing. I'm only here to teach Spanish. I'm only here to like instruct and give information. But like what I've learned is that they, they teach me a lot of stuff too, but I have to be receptive to that. Mm-hmm. Like I can't cut myself off to like, off to like being also taught because mm-hmm. like we're teachers, but we're also learning. Yeah. So I think that's like something that's really changed for me. And also just like the way that I do it. Like for me, when I started, I was very, well, I guess I should say too, that like I was never taught how to teach. Like right. I, I didn't a, go to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't have like a background in education. Did you, teach, did you have student teaching? No. Me neither. So that's yeah. one thing too that you had that we didn't have was student teaching. Oh yeah, that year I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, kudos to you guys. I can't imagine. It's good and bad. Right. It it has, it, well, it's yeah. pros and cons. Yeah. yeah. It's good because you aren't. You don't have a. I don't have a preconception of what I should be right. doing. But right. it's also negative because I don't have a preconception of what I should be doing. So <laughs> right, it's right, hard. Right. It, it it's good because like for me, I've been able to like kind of do what I want, and mm-hmm. thankfully I've been in a position where I was able to do that like, mm-hmm. most every time. Like people just defer to to us because we're the experts in our field. So, um, yeah, I think that I actually forgot what the question was. Like, I forgot where how I was going with this. How has it changed or how yeah. has your viewpoint of your career changed oh. over the time you've been doing it? Yeah, I've just, I've really tried to be more in tune with like the, the like climate of the classroom. Mm-hmm. So like to know when, you know, not, not everybody receives instruction the same way. It's not going to benefit kids to be doing worksheets all day long when I could showcase some other aspect of this language that would be more interesting and pertinent yeah so it's really just about like infusing those things into your lesson plans and into your days so that and also like knowing how to change things on the fly Mm -hmm. like that has been invaluable to me i remember when i was first teaching the first real year i taught because that first year i don't really count that one but the second year (laughs) yeah the second year that I, i taught i remember really following the lesson plan and i remember that really hindering me because it was like, oh, I didn't get to X, Y, Z today, and I really wanted to, and I would beat myself up about uh, it. But yeah. now, you know, those there are those memes about teachers where it's like, you write out a lesson. You're, you're the teacher that writes out a lesson plan. I'm the one that writes on the post-it note five mm-hmm. minutes before they walk in the room. <laughs> I'm the post-it note teacher. <laughs> Not always, but, you know, I will say there's joy in, like, being flexible and, like, being able to, like, change things in a moment's notice. Or if you see well, something. Well, thank God not, we don't have to turn in lesson plans. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, we do. We do just we? don't. I have never, y'all. <laughs> Ever I, a day in my you're life. You're supposed things to. Things that um, you're supposed to do. For that, sure. Put that just, on my just, just be attendance. a really good teacher. And things, then they leave you alone. They, they just really leave will. You alone. They really and will. I think it's important to note here for listeners here to uh, what he's saying. Like his students 100% feel that from him. And I mean, they talk about propate all the time. And so like a lot of times, I don't know, sometimes if you don't know who's talking to you, uh, you know, what he's saying isn't just what he's saying. His students genuinely feel uh valued and and brought into the lesson and yes it's it it is real it's not just theory it's extremely practical what he does and what he's saying translates into his classroom 100 percent. that's so sweet um what do you you guys ask me this what do you think that people get wrong about our profession that we should Mm. well i'll just leave it at that just what do they get wrong i think i don't know i think there's there there's this conception that there should be like this like visible or audible 
difference from from like the time they walk into the classroom till the time they leave. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not always going to be like a payoff that you can experience right. with like the with like their their ability. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm speaking specifically about world language, but I suppose it could it could be applicable to other things as well. But like for me, I don't I can't judge like how much a kid has learned based off of how much they can say or how much they can write uh-huh. or how much they can interact with me. Like, because what we've like we've been talking about, we're we're teaching. We're, we're trying to make better world citizens. Right. So it's yeah. not necessarily like if you like in the last couple of years, like I've had kids that have been really, really good at writing, but they can't speak. Or I've had kids that really are, they speak very well or they can't write. So it, there's not like a one size fits all sort of like take this test and we can see where you are. Mm-hmm. Like that's not I don't think that's like a real good indicator of like how much a kid has yeah. learned because there's so many like ancillary things as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I tell this story often because I think it's so interesting, but it's so fun. But um, Delia and I, we sometimes we get, we swap kids at the semester change mm-hmm. at our school. We have semester classes instead of year long classes. So if she has kids in Spanish one, they might come to me in Spanish two and, and vice versa. And I had a kid who, when he came in my class, she told me, well, he's, he doesn't seem very interested and he's kind of just sits there. Like he does his work, but he's not like, He's not gonna buy. He's not buying in. Really, I'm doing air quotes. I don't know. I don't know why I did that. You can't see, but it did happen. And the the one thing that I found for him that really worked and got him engaged was music. And for me, it's like he may not be interested in the language, but he's listening to the music that's written in the language that I'm teaching him. So, and he's asking to play it. Like I'm playing other music, and he's like, "Hey, can you please play?" Yeah this band like I and, and it that really like it's stuff like that for me it's like mm-hmm. that that's that may not be like auditory or visually like you can't see those things you can't hear those can't things but it. you you just feel like you know that they've 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 grown and they've improved yeah. and like you know that's to me that's something that I think and that's not like a world view really that's just like a as as educators we we tend to think of things like very and very data like data driven well we're asked to right yeah 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 (laughs) um luke we need to know more about your personal life tell us about you outside of the classroom okay so i am married to my wife and we've been married for this will be six years this year we will six years we were married in, in april so we've been married for six years. And then we have a three, almost four-year-old daughter who is so just everything. She's she's like the life of the party. And she's Aww. so caring. And she's so like, she, like she'll do these, she do this really cute thing where anything that we like give her or anything, she'll be like, oh, thank you so much. I love it so much. <laughs> that is precious. And I'm like, Aww. sometimes you go through, as parents, you go through these times where you're like, what am I doing? Am I raising a good person? And then she says things like that. And I'm like, yes, we are raising a good person. <laughs> She's such a good person. But yeah, I like to bake. I love to bake. Oh, his chocolate chip cookies are amazing. My wife and I really like to do like, we like art, like crafting and stuff. And I love music. I mean, there. I don't. There. There are. I'm, I think when I say this, this is like me just being silly. But there are songs I don't know. But I don't think there's a song I don't know. There's really not. Like you could just put on any playlist, he's going to know. Yeah. Nine out of the ten songs for sure. I would say also something that I'm like really something that's really interesting about me that I feel is interesting is like I just I can just quote 
movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. Like off the top of my head, like Delia will be like, we watch the same show. Yeah. All three of us watch the same shows, yeah. and I'll just quote them, and they will have no idea where they're from. And then I realize <laughs> it's a me Although thing. Delia has more of an idea than I do. So that's yeah, true. They, they but the memory, the the recall there. I mean, yeah, I just can't. I can't do. I can't do the, that thing yeah. that you do. Um, yeah, and your memory recalls amazing. Yeah, we have a little dog. His name's Hamilton. He's a Chihuahua. Love Hamilton. Love he Hamilton. is the worst, but he's also the best. <laughs> he is the best. And this so may not mean is. anything to anybody, but he literally kissed me on the mouth the other day for the first time in like really? a year. Yeah, he never. I think he's like. I think he's like. He sees me as like the alpha dog, uh-huh. so he's like a little bit. I don't know, but it was cute, and I was like, I love you so much. <laughs> I'm wildly emotional, but like not. I don't. I don't know. Like. Little things make me cry. Like, I just be crying. Like, I could be watching. The, the thing that really gets me is, like, whenever soldiers come home and their kids don't know it and their kids are like, Daddy! And I'm like, oh! Okay. Or, like, puppies. Or, like, little animals. Or, like, anything. Literally, it could be anything. Like, if y'all, I don't know. Ted Lasso. You parents out there. Ted Lasso weeping the last three episodes. Literally weeping. <laughs> I'm still crying now. No. And also, um, if you watch Bluey, every episode of Bluey makes me cry. Parents yeah. out there, you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like every single episode, there's something in that episode that's going to make me cry. Yeah. Huh. If you have littles, you know, or should, if you don't know, you need to know about Bluey. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, Luke, anything else? I don't think so. I feel like I have really emptied my entire soul onto the table today. Aww, it's good to, it's good love to see that. you. It's good to see you. All right. Well, we will see you in episode five, you guys. Woo! We will see you in episode five, and for now, we'll see you later. Goodbye. Bye. Ciao. The Linguists would like to thank the following people for their help making this podcast possible. Christian Gaposi for use of your studio. You're the literal best. Our families for putting up with our crazy notions and allowing us to do it anyway. We love you all. Our friends for supporting and loving us. We are truly grateful for you. And to you for tuning in. We hope to see you again real soon. Intro and outro music by Brotheration Records. Podcast logo designed by Monday Morning Creative Studio.